Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routen, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. And welcome to the Jim Rats and Joints podcast. We are thrilled to be back. We took that week off for Christmas. Uh, everybody was celebrating with their families. Ho, ho, ho. I hope Santa treated everybody great. And now we're on the cusp of the new year, which is amazing. But the, the best thing about it is that the NBA got going and is basically in full throttle. So I feel like we have a, a ton to talk about with Andy Routens, Javon Shepard, the front office of the Canadian Elite Basketball League's Ottawa Blackjacks, uh, great friends of mine. We're joined by our producer, Mr. Dan Wong. And guys, I guess I, I'd like to start by a look back at, at 2020, which otherwise I'm sure 100% of the human population would admit was a crap year and probably the worst year. And, it, you know, you don't, you don't like to be negative, but I don't think there's any way around it other than to say it's been a miserable year. But there were moments in basketball. Things did happen. There was an NBA champion. And I, I thought that would be a great place to start off today. And may, maybe, Shep, why don't we start with you? If you look back on these last 12 months, is there a moment in basketball that really stands out for you? I think, you know, everything that transpired over that the 2019 season, especially, you know, what sticks out for me personally is the NBA protests. And I, I remember and how, you know, things transfolded and tra- transcended after and unfolded um, spoke volumes to me uh, personally, given the matters that we're, you know, Black Lives Matter that we're and injustices that we're you know, the, the players and NBA was standing for, and then that trickled over to some of the other major leagues. But then also how the NBA put together the bubble. And I, I think just seeing that experience and it all together and while the world was at a standstill, I don't think that's something that we're ever going to experience again. So one, um, you know, I, it, it meant a lot for me being, you know, a, a black athlete and former athlete as well as you know in the sport business now just to see you know the camaraderie and front offices coming together and players coming together and players actually like taking a stance and having a str- having strength in numbers and then um yeah again you know just the, the whole bubble experience all together so that you know it's a bit interconnected but just seeing how you know everything came together there was was one inspiring and just um something that hit home do, do you think that um, it's going to continue to resonate 
into the new year and into the future, specifically based on what we did see happen in the bubble. And I'm talking about BLM, Black Lives Matter, the social protests that became a part of it. Are we already seeing some threads of change? Will justice can you know move forward in prevailing as the years come or is there a fear that we might go back to where we were before that there's there's one there's always a fear because change doesn't happen over overnight right and i don't think we're going i know we're not going to see that change um in a day or a month or so but i think what resonates and what, what hits with me is the fact that you know, we're, we're making progress, we're, we're making noise, and then collectively we're, we're standing together, we're making efforts now to, and have a voice, right? So I think from that standpoint, um, it's going to be a slow progress, slow grind, but then on the, on the other side of things, um, I think there's, there's, there'll be faster progress, even with myself being, you know, named a, a GM, or, or secondly, or even, you know, just entering the, the broadcast business, I think now there's room for, for somebody like myself um, and, and the, the space is open for, you know, for myself to leverage and, and, and continue to grow as well. So I think opportunities are going to be there now in terms of the injustices and, and, and so forth. That's going to be a, a longer progress. How about you, Andy? Can you, do you, can you look at one moment in the year past that stands out for you? So, I mean, I think there's too many to name one specifically. Um, you know, I think this is why Shep and I work so well together because we think so similarly. <clears throat> but the NBA, I mean, I couldn't agree with Shep more. The NBA truly became its own political entity in a way. Um, you know, they had enormous stages, you know, to, to voice uh, you know, this this Black Lives Matter movement and speaking out against racial injustice. You know, they became frontline guys for promoting coronavirus safety and popularizing new methods and, and protocols for sports as a whole, as well as having these massive voices and stages for America to push for reform. Um, and, and I think that had a massive impact on the outcome of the, of the election. So um, the NBA, you know, I think they, they did the right thing that they showed how important sports were in a time of global crisis and, and for us to be able to come together um, and I think this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of, of reform and change. And I think it's going to continue on. They know the platform that they have now. They've found their voices. And I think that I hope at least that they're going to continue on with that. Um, as far as basketball goes, I got a couple moments. Uh, 80s, 80s buzzer beater in game two. Uh, that was special for me. He kind of, you know, solidified his 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 quote unquote legacy there in L.A. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lucas step back in Game Four to tie the series was that was kind of like his his signature move. That was like his his uh, in, engraving his name in in, in the NBA uh, postseason history. And and then OG when when the Raptors seemed all but finished hits the the game winner in Game Three for the Raps. Um, so those were all moments that stood out to me, but the bubble experience in itself was just incredible to watch. I think it really kind of revitalized the rather down and depressed, uh, 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 America as well as the world. Hey, hey I still remember OG's strut off after he hit the shot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, like, I was to make thing. Yeah. That's OG in a nutshell right there. You got to respect that guy. Yeah, he, he almost had that kind of, you know, what's the big deal? I do this every day. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what they pay me for. That's why you got paid that 72 piece. 
he did quite nicely for himself. (laughs) You know, one one thing, you know, all all the things that you guys mentioned definitely um, meant something to me. And I, and I totally agree with what you're saying. It's such, it feels like such a long time ago that we had uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant. And how did we, how did we not, I know, that. right? Because uh, so that goes to show you what type of year we've had. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the passing of Kobe. Exactly, and, and and I just for me, I remember it, and I'll always remember it. And and Kobe, like everyone else, was somebody who I I admired watching him play basketball. Um, I interviewed him once in like maybe two thousand or two thousand and one. Um, that was a career highlight for me, even even back then. And I just I think that for me, the way the league and to be fair, its broadcasters handled it that day, um, it made me feel like part of the community. Um, Like I felt like it was okay for me to mourn for Kobe Bryant as well that day, because you saw it in the players, the coaches, the referees, the broadcasters, everybody who, whose life has been touched in any way by basketball, by the NBA, really, truly felt that loss on that day. And unfortunately, it was a, a harbinger for, for the horrible things that were going to happen in the year 2020. But I'll, I'll, I will always remember that day and the way that it was, uh, that it was handled. And yeah, it, it's, it's unbelievable that that's a year ago, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, as bad as that was, it still felt like it would be something that people could would get through and the world would continue on. But, you know, unfortunately, it, it didn't go that way. You know, Canada basketball, I, I'm probably on all their social media, certainly on their Instagram where I saw it, did a top 10 moments in Canadian basketball in the year 2020. Now, for me, the number one moment in Canadian basketball are my guys Shep and AR being named in Uruguay. An assistant general <laughs> of uh, of the Ottawa Blackjack. Have we seen any any changes, any improvement, any sign of potential for the sport in basketball beyond what we already know? We know it reached its peak and its zenith when the Toronto Raptors won the NBA Finals in June 2019. Have we seen anything in 2020 that indicates that this sport? really is rising more than we might have thought in this past year. I think, you know, where that's concerned, you have to look at, um, you know, you can see what the players of the body of work that the players have done. And, and, you know, obviously Jamal Murray put Ken on a whole on on a world stage with his performance in the bubble. But um, I, I think when you're looking at the development of coaches now in the NBA and at the highest levels, the Canadian coaches, it just goes to show that the game is is growing, you know, tremendously because now the, the players that we have in Canada are going to have access to better coaching, better skill development, better, you know, resources on a whole, um, sports science and all that. So, you know, when you when you encompass all that and pull, pull it together, you really get to see that, OK, this this thing, this machine, now it's become a machine now is, is going in the right direction and it has the right trajectory. So. Uh, I think that is that's also a measure because I think right now we have a record number of coaches in the NBA and that even as little as it may be right now, it's a start. And that's how it started when, 
you know, the year I believe it was Corey and, and Tristan had the, that was the most I believe that was the most NBA players at that time that got Canadian players that got drafted um, in a draft. And now look at we're at twenty players, you know, the second the second most outside of the US. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, as far as the, the state of um, basketball in Canada and where it's going in the development, um, we're just getting more knowledgeable now, far more knowledgeable. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, to, to flow off what Shep is saying, I mean, there's there's hundreds of, of D1 basketball players from Canada in the States right now. Um, the pipeline is just continuing to grow massively. You know, the, 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 uh, the offspring of the CBL, you know, and the talk of now expansion teams. I think Canada is very far from the pinnacle of, of what the future holds for basketball. Um, and I think it's it's very much in its infantile stage right now. Um, obviously, the Raptors won a championship. You know, we're hoping that's not the last one. I think they're in a bit of a rebuilding phase. But the passion is here. The fire is here. Um, and, and I think that this country is just really hungry for basketball. And, and they've fallen in love with it. I think it's slowly starting to overtake that hockey culture. Um, and we just need to get the government on board. Give us some bones, you know, <laughs> let us get out there and stay in some decent hotels and, and promote national team. And, and, you know, obviously with the amount of NBA guys that we have, that culture is changing slowly, but surely. Um, and, and, and you know, the goal is to get everybody to play. So I think that we're heading in the right direction. Uh, and, and we have a lot of good, good basketball coming out of Canada to come. Well, I, I, I agree with both of you. And, and I think on, um, you raise great points. We've we've been seeing the players coming for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaches, that's new. I think that's amazing. Jay Triano was a head coach in the NBA. It'll be interesting to me who the next Canadian head coach will be. You know, Andy, you you, you brought up the CEBL, and I really think that what's happening there is huge for Canadian basketball and. You know, I'll, I'll disclaimer. I, I'm involved. I'm I'm involved in the broadcasting of it. Um, so, you know, I might be wearing the rose-colored glasses. But you know, two years ago, if a Canadian team um, hired you guys as the general managers, I just don't think the country would have heard about it. I, I feel like this time around, it made a splash. I thought it was news. Um, on a national level. And that's where I really think the next step of Canadian basketball is, you know, we're, we're, we're so Toronto centric about it. And I think the fact that, you know, there's a team in Edmonton, there's a team in Saskatoon, there's going to be teams, Calgary, Montreal, you name it. The fact that these cities and, and smaller towns also in the country are going to have a basketball team to call their own. I think that is, is, such a good indication of the future of basketball because you, you know, you now are going to have kids, maybe they can't go to a Raptors game or maybe going to a Raptors game is, is a once a year possibility for certain families in Canada. Well, now you live in Calgary, you can go see professional players. You can dream of being involved in that. And look that, you know, the Canadian football league, it's having a hard time right now, but it survived for over a hundred years in this country and I think basketball, basketball is moving in a position in this country where it's it's going to supplant the CFL. And I, you know, I think hockey's flatlining a little bit too. I think basketball is is going to be um, a huge part of of this country's future, literally at at every level. 
And I think what we're seeing from the CEBL um, shows a lot of that potential. You know, the, the NBA is back, guys. What what are your what are some of your early impressions? Uh, the start of the season, we're about I don't know, just over a weekend. Most teams have played three or four games. Is there anything right away that uh, Andy that sticks out for you at the start? Um, <clears throat> there's something left to be desired here to watch these <laughs> early games. To be honest with you, I think that. I've never seen so many lopsided victories, uh, especially early on in the season. Um, you know, 20 plus points. You see the Bucks win by by 50, you know, and, and obviously they had a record setting night. But, you know, still, I think that, you know, speaks on the fact that these guys just aren't bought in yet. Um, you know, I think it speaks to the lack of a proper training camp uh, and, and the opportunity to build that chemistry as well as coming out and playing at your home arena in a, in a very empty arena. I, I feel like it's a different setting than the bubble in terms of, you know, the bubble kind of seemed live. You had other guys, team teams there watching, eyes on. You had some family towards the end of it. And now it's just kind of like this big, empty arena. And I think some guys are struggling to find the motivation. Um, and the last thing that really stuck out for me was the injuries. I mean, I think that kind of attaches itself to the lack of the training camp and for guys to get mentally prepared as well as physically. It was such a short bounce back time from the bubble. I mean, the injury list is 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 brutally long. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie out with an ACL. John Morant is out five weeks now with a with a grade two sprain. You know, cat uh, cat had his wrist. Uh, you know, K Love had a calf. So I mean, the list goes on, and I think that. You know, as much as the NBA did the right thing in terms of business, I think, you know, it didn't necessarily do the best job of looking out for its players uh, with that quick turnaround schedule. Yeah, I agree with that. And when the, you know, when they, it was a short turnaround, 70 days since the end of the the season or the championship, rather, I said, okay, this is going to be tough for guys to jump back in and have that short preseason. So, you know, I expected that. I didn't, obviously, I wouldn't vocalize that because you never wish that on any athlete or any player, but you know, it, it, it would come with the territory. If it, and, and I, I would assume that, you know, with the, the sports science and where it is today, that the NBA would, would be privy to that as well. So it was, it was kind of disheartening to see because at that point you were, you're putting, you know, dollars over the health and, and safety of your, your players, which are at the end of the day, your investment. So, um, you know, that, that was tough to see, but I, I think one of the biggest surprises for me was, you know, the start of Cleveland, they went three and all up until yesterday when they um, took that loss or now three and one. I'm like, what the hell are these guys even? How how did this happen? But, yeah. um, you know, they've 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 played well. And I think they have a, a nice little core group there with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and, and um, Drummond. Uh, so, you know, it's and I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. There's going to be a lot of surprises just based on the nature of or, or the landscape of the NBA, like you're saying, Andy, no fans and just is it's just a whole different atmosphere right now. So, again, that home court advantage is taken out of it. And I think, you know, a team like that where that has been getting thumped for the last couple of, of years um, is excited to play. And they have some young, hungry guys that really want to, you know, go at the necks of some of these these senior or um, mm-hmm. vet players and then so forth, teams that have been overlooking them. So um, there's that. And then, you know, another thing that stuck on the first week is the Clippers getting thumped by, you know, another 50 ball. And that Ooh, was a half, a half time. Game. Yeah. What is that? I, I, and then I, you have, you I have PG coming out and saying, oh, I wasn't. I wasn't off my vac- my holiday yet. Like you can't come out and say yeah, that. Like, you just can't. Like you, you just signed a big deal. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Like 
this is your profession. At the end of the day, this is this is a job. Like you don't have vacation, especially when you're playing in a prime time on a, on yeah. a big market team. You don't have vacation until this, yeah. until the end of the season. There's no yeah. you've signed up for that going to a big market team. There's no yeah. Christmas isn't a vacation for you. This is like Tim Cook coming out at an Apple event. And being like, oh, I was too hungover to present this iPhone, you know? To present? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> the money's coming to you. You got to earn it, man, you know? Wait, what are you talking This is a big market team. You are the Clippers. You're supposed to be contending for a championship. This is the, that, Chris playing Christmas Day is what everybody dreams of playing. Yeah, that's the, yeah. like, all the eyeballs are on the NBA at that point. Every single pair. But he never oh. ceases to amaze me. So it, it'll be, you know, in their defense, they didn't have Kawhi. But is that a 50-point difference? I don't think so. can't be. Well, I, I feel like I feel like the Clippers felt so good after winning the Denver game, and then they must have celebrated Christmas after that, and they, they didn't care. It, it's it's really interesting, you know. Fifty point, like not only are, are these fifty point blowouts, these are games of teams. The teams being blown out are considered contenders for the yeah. championship. It, it's it's distressing to see it. Milwaukee hitting 29 three-pointers in a game. You know, that that says something to me about just how the game's being played. I mean... But that's against a team that's a defensive-minded team. This is yeah. the Miami Heat, but that was heat culture is supposed to be... We're not taking any shit from anybody. <laughs> and and obviously, Miami's just saying, yep, go ahead, shoot your threes. We're, we're not really going to try tonight. And I, I don't think Butler played, but it's just... It's jarring to see it. And and you alluded to it already. I mean, Kawhi has, a, you know, a, I would imagine a very painful injury. He's already missed a couple games. Durant already sat out. Kyrie's missing games. It. You, uh, you, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. You think that, do you think that the coaches are viewing the start of the regular season as an extended training camp situation? As to where, you know, they're, they're not that upset that they're getting these losses because they're still getting their feet but in their defense i think they have to because you know there's there's been so many moving pieces on a lot of these teams that you don't really get to gel like you know firsthand ar you really don't get to know most of your teammates until midway through the season when you've gone through some adversity when you've seen and this is with a full preseason as well exactly this is yeah. yeah yeah so i i it's interesting to see because you know these 50 point thumbs these these a lot of these losses in the beginning of the season are going to matter come down the stretch, even for a lot of these teams that are contenders, whether it be proceeding, not that seeding matters right now, because who knows if you'll even have home court or fans in your home court. But at the end of the day, these wins and losses count even more than they do in a regular season mm-hmm. because there's going to be so much load management right mm-hmm. during the course of this season, now that it's condensed and, you know, double uh, more. Uh, back-to-back games. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Kawhi's going to sit out a couple more games this year. Uh, LeBron's going to sit out a couple more games this year. So those games when when your stars are sitting out are actually even more important than when you have them because, you know, a win here and there that you that you pick up that you're not supposed to could be what puts you over the, the, over the hill from the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting you say that. And I do – I see how with the 72-game season um, – the games are weighted a little bit more, but I, I actually think it's gone the opposite. I think after after last season, I mean, being perfectly honest, if we learned something last year, it's that the regular season doesn't count for shit. Yeah. All that matters is the playoffs. I yeah. have no idea who finished in first place last year. I have no idea who won the divisions. I don't know who anyone's record is. I don't know who the one 
five, eight seed was. And I think that everyone's learned if they didn't already know that all that counts are the playoffs, especially when the season is only 72 games. And then you're going to have to win 16 to be the got to get there first though. Yeah. But the, the good teams know they're going to get there. You know, Br- Brooklyn, the Clippers, they know Kawhi can sit out 20 games and they're going to make the playoffs. So why kill yourself to finish first or second and like you said, there's not going to be a home court advantage. Finish fifth or sixth. Who cares? Who You know, if you're going to win the championship, you need to beat the three seed anyway. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think we are seeing certainly now in December, probably January and probably into February. I don't think there's going to be a, a big emphasis on this regular season. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless there's some kind of storyline, you know, a, a team miraculously finishes, you know, your, uh, you know, 62 and nine, like the Warriors. You know, I don't think that's going to be a thing this year, though. And I also have one more question for you guys. Do you think that uh, rookies have it easier this year without a training camp? Now, from from your personal Ooh, perspective, right now, check this one out. You get into training camp. You know, you're starting to figure yourself out. You know, maybe you maybe you're starting to question yourself where you're going to fit in with the rotation, how you're progressing, you know, uh, where you fit in behind certain guys. And, and sometimes that can be a mental block. I think sometimes, you know, it might be a little bit too much weight for these rookies. And, and now they have the opportunity to just go out and play. How do you guys feel about that? OK, so I'll go with this. I think rookies are in a better situation, given that, like we mentioned before, is that Guys, your stars are going to be sitting out. Your guys that played the bulk of the minutes are going to be are going to be sitting out. There's going to be opportunity for rookies to come in and log minutes that uh-huh. they probably wouldn't have had um, before. Like even with the Raptors, fans are already calling for Malachi Flynn, right? Right, just off of this start one, and, and yep. Raptors haven't even arrested anybody yet. Uh-huh. But you know, when you're looking around the league and you're seeing the impact that these guys are already having, they were thrown into the fire. They were drafted. You know, two weeks before training camp, had a two week mm-hmm. training camp, and that was just time to get out and ball. So they really mm-hmm. didn't have time to think and worry or be concerned about rotations or where they're fitting in or where they're not fitting in. It was, hey, toss the ball up, let's hoop. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to work to their advantage, especially ones that are mentally strong and just hungry to play basketball, not getting caught up in, hey, yep. I'm in the NBA now. And just, you know, the hoopers are going to are gonna hoop, ballers are going to ball. And that, that so, you know, is going to work to their is- advantage. Yeah, you saying that, I mean, a guy like Anthony Edwards, the James Wisemans, they're just getting out there and they're raw and they're playing basketball. I love Anthony good. Edwards, by the way. Anthony Edwards is tough. He looks like he belongs. Yeah. He looks like a, a, a second-year guy who's figured it out, you know? And and I think that's what LaMelo's trouble. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just saying, when I'm watching LaMelo, I think he he's the type of guy who would have really benefited from a training camp because he just looks lost. I don't think he's had yeah. that you know, on a collegiate level, he's had the pro experience in Australia, but it's a much different ball game just in terms of spacing, finding your spots, being active without the ball. You know, he gets caught in the corner and just watches. And I think that these are little things that you can pick up on. I'll say with him, his ceiling to me can be extremely high because when he shows flashes, he shows flashes of stardom. Like the, the types oh, yeah. of passes that he makes and his, his natural, it just comes natural mm-hmm. and at that size. Um, but I think he'll learn as he goes and he's going to have a great opportunity there because he's that third guard, right? Um, Devontae Graham, as well as, uh, Rogier. And then he's that in that role, in that mix right there. He could end up playing starter minutes, just playing a little one and a little two. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, Ed, Edwards, Edwards looks good, but he, I think the ones who are the most athletic are going to have advantages over the ones who aren't. But, you know, I, I, I thought uh, Abija was going to be maybe a little bit better at the start. Yeah. I, I think they're, I think they're, uh, first of all, I don't think it's a particularly great class. I mean, for that ball was the third player taken. Um, you know, the guy can't shoot. Um, I think Wiseman fits really nicely with the Warriors, and and Edward clearly that was I wasn't sure, but he's clearly the right choice for number one. That said, I just I don't think any of these rookies are really going to have much of an impact certainly this year, and maybe those three, like maybe the two, like you mentioned, Wiseman and Edwards can step in and play. But, you know, we're talking about, about a guy like Tyrese Halliburton out in sack. Well, he, he, he's looked good. And, and he, he, he looked pretty solid. He felt like the steal of the draft. He kept falling. Yes, and falling, that's right? right. But I mean, Malachi Flynn, you know, I don't want to get started about, about the Raptors fans. You know, Malachi Flynn is a nice prospect, but he's not a, a solution for a team that's struggling. He, he's a rookie point guard, and there's a reason why he's getting DNP coaches' decisions or he's playing one minute a night. He, he's not ready to go. He's not ready to run an NBA team. He's not ready to guard NBA point guards. So I, I, I don't think that the draft class is, is particularly deep, and I, I just don't know other than a handful of rookies – um, are really going to have much impact, but the ones that are early, like like you, and you've mentioned the names, and it, Halliburton and Edwards might look like you know one and two right now, but I think it's because they have athletic advantages. And you know, what, did Edward was Edwards a, a two year player or three year player? Edwards, he was uh, one and done at Georgia. He one and done. Okay, I look. I think he's just an exceptional athlete compared to the rest. I you know I I don't know I don't. He's probably going to be the runaway rookie of the year, but I, I think long term it's a disadvantage to the rookies. To, to get back to what you asked, okay. I, I, yeah, I'm sure. And you you went through rookie camp and training mm-hmm. camp. There's no way that in the long run that didn't help you. It 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 did. Um, maybe it would have been. Well, for me, it helped me because I never played a lick of man-to-man defense before that, so <laughs> I needed to understand where I was. You know, coming from a two-three zone. Well, why don't you why don't you tell tell us some of the things you went through in, in training camp? It was rough, man. Yeah, it was rough. I mean, that transition. I mean, not only from an athletic standpoint, you know, making that jump from it, you know, it's like driving a, a hundred horsepower car to going, you know, handling something four fifty plus. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just not used to it. That caliber of, of of power. So, you know, not only are you adjusting to that, you're adjusting to a whole new ball game in terms of defensive strategy. You know, you have a three seconds. Uh, you know, you have to you have to play a man-to-man uh, defense that's also kind of a help side defense. You're more on an island, so you're, you know it's more one-on-one scenarios. So you know, really, it's just a lot of the vets kind of kind of showing you where to be, really absorbing information and, and and things that they have to say, and applying that to to those preseason games, um, which is super beneficial before you start the season. Um, you know, I, I will say when you get thrown out there though, like in summer league. You kind of just have this moment where you're like, oh, shit, I'm here. And you just play mm-hmm. ball. And, and I had some of my best games in the preseason. 
So I don't know. I think for me, I got too bogged down mentally. I was thinking about everything too much, overanalyzing. Maybe that's who I am as a person. But I think it's easy for these guys to get overwhelmed early. Um, and I think, you know. See, so that's why I think for somebody like you that was, that you're saying, like, you got bogged down, was overthinking. Hey, right. just throwing up that ball and playing. Just get on went play. to your, Naturally, when, when we're uncomfortable, we go to our default. Right. right. So for you, that would have just been, OK, I'm going to get to that corner. I'm going to snipe. I'm not even going to yeah. think. I'm just going to do it. And uh, for an example, prime example, last night I seen Kyle feed Stanley Johnson, like force feed him a shot to take. It. And I thought he was an mm-hmm. amazing leader, an amazing cat. Didn't, he didn't end up hitting the shot. But just to see that just as a leader, like that, that would have been. And Stanley hasn't played much minutes for Raptors this year or last year. Right. But that would have been somebody in your position where, OK, here. No, I know AR shoots. He hasn't played much. Yeah. get the shot you yeah know what I'm and you're just I mean, out, oh shit i have yeah. to play i have to shoot right i mean obviously james wiseman is your number two pick so he's going to get some burn but is he going to get 25 minutes in the first game no and, and he has 18 points goes five for 11 three for four from three i mean he was just out there playing i mean same with Lamelo. he had a couple of amazing assists out there obviously he's trying to get his feet under him anthony edwards had 18 i believe in his first game so so yeah it's interesting to see the dynamic and if it helped or 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 hurt them but uh, ultimately, I think there's no substitute for, for just raw experience. Mm-hmm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, let's, uh, let's shout out our sponsor, Henderson Brewery in Toronto. The best beer is the beer you love, and they've been uh, a great support to our podcast throughout our first year here in 2020. Next, I want to get to this date in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. And we're going to go back about 16 years. It was December 30th, 2004. Alvin Williams and Jalen Rose will. each put up 17 points. The Raptors beat the Nuggets 81-74 in Denver. It puts the Raptors at a promising 16-14 and 14 under first-year head coach Kevin O'Neill which was great considering they were 24 and 58 just the year before 16 and 14 was looking real good. We thought this was going to be a playoff Raptors team. Um, Unfortunately, this would be the last time the Raptors would win in Denver for over nine years. It became a, a, a a palace of doom for the Raptors. But I also remember the game when they finally broke that streak. It's always an accomplishment to win in Denver for an East Coast team, no matter how you put it. Certainly now uh, with that team that they got there. Let's stick with the Raptors, guys, because they are a bit of a talk in the NBA right now, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons. You know, one thing you, you just said right right there, guys, um, I think it was you who, who said it, Shep. Kyle force-feeding Stanley Johnson um, for shots that he might not be comfortable taking. And... As someone who observed the Raptors closely for many, many years, I, I I can't even believe those words are true right now because I am picturing Kyle Lowry 
feeding Serge Ibaka for the mm-hmm. easiest and most open 15-footers in NBA history, which for two years, Serge Ibaka drained. And now you're asking someone who really doesn't have a distinguished NBA career to hit those shots. And I, I, I think the Raptors are missing Serge Ibaka so much right now. But I think that's just one of uh, the things that are ailing them as they start the season 0-3. Shep, are these guys going to turn it around? Are they a playoff team this year? I still think they're a playoff team. I think sometimes we get caught up, too caught up in the right now and what we what we're missing and not focus on what we've been able to retain and what we have. But AR, I think we can attest to this too. Is that as a player, these these are moments like you you cry for. Like you're on the belt. A lot of these younger guys were probably on the bench last year, saying I could play Serge's minutes, I could play Martin Saul's minutes, and mm-hmm. you know. These guys are gone now. So this is an opportunity for these guys to step up and become their own players as well. So I, I don't think, you know, it's, it's as much of turmoil as it as it seems to be. Hey, I think the biggest thing is that this team is just not aggressive defensively or offensively. And that comes with inexperiences that they have lapses in, in quarters. I believe it was San Antonio. They had a lapse in the third quarter um, against New Orleans. Um, it, was, it was second quarter or vice versa. I can't remember, but... Um, you know, and DeMar picked them apart as well as, well as Brandon Ingram picked pick them apart. So I think it's more it's more on the, the defensive commitment that this team um, lacks consistently, consistently right now. And again, that, that comes with experience, right? I, I, I think when you're looking at what Gasol brought to the table, great. But at the same time, this game had sped up way past him and the, the responsibilities that we would have needed from him as as Raptor as, Ra- as Raptor fans and, and the Jews yeah. He wouldn't have been able to to hold that down. They have champion. They have championship experience. They have five guys who went who went through that. Six guys, championship experience, playoffs last year. I mean, this is still a general core of of what was of what's been in general amazing. core different style of play. It's, it, I mean, it is. Say, but then you know, you lose your defensive quarterback with Marcus All. You know, Serge is not your pick and pop guy anymore. You replaced him with Aaron Bynes, Chris Boucher, and Alex Len. I mean. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big trade off. It's steep, you know. Not to say and that I think Abuja can't ball. He can ball. He's proved that. He proved that in the first game. But I think that they need chemistry. They need time to build. They need time for guys like Alex Len to go from losing uh, uh, organizations to a winner. And it doesn't happen overnight. You can't change someone's NBA chemistry overnight. You need to you need to ingrain winning in them. You know. And I think. Maybe if he, you know, he went down to Miami, got a taste of that culture, it would happen sooner. Uh, but I think Nick Nurse has his own very individ- individualistic style to bring these guys around and, and get on the same page. And that's why I'm not worried about them being a playoff team is because I think he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, he, he's he's more prepared than any of us know, I believe. And, and I think he has the right tools to kind of turn that around. And, and, Fred, and Fred and Kyle are so experienced. And they're the quarterbacks of this team, and I think they're all going to find the right things to do and, and the right ways to go about this to turn it around. I'm not, I'm not worried about. That. I think they'll land in that five worried. six spot like we talked about. There just yeah. has to be some adjustments and adapt. Again, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's 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 pockets in the game or, or moments in the game when this team can't score. You're, mm-hmm. you're we're forgetting that you know Mark Gasol and 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 Ibaka were. You know that they were facilitators at the same time. So oh, yeah. Norm being being able to roam the floor and, and slash and cut, get some easy baskets. That stuff is all going to change now. OG Pascal, you know they were able to 
you know, Mark was a big enough presence down low. He wasn't mm-hmm. a scorer, but he was a big enough scoring threat that if, you know, the defense didn't play honest, he would get a basket. He would, you know, mm-hmm. turn around, uh, layup or, or post up. But at the same time, he was able to survey the court and, and find these guys slashing and so forth. So great. You don't have that anymore. Guys are going to step up. Guys have to come into their own. And as a player, again, like I said before, these are the moments that you want. These are the moments that you sat on the bench and watched uh, the veterans ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the same guys that we lost, they were in these same positions before. They had to grow they to become the players that they were, and they, de- and they did. Hey, Shep, I, I think you're, you're putting a lot of faith in a couple of players who've been around the league for a long time. And yeah, they're nice professional players. I'm, I'm not going to take that away from Aaron Baines, um, Alex Len. But I mean, Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, these are like front line. They're premium. They're premium guys. Marcus Gasol is is could be building a Hall of Fame resume. I mean, he's got gold medals, All Star starter, a starting appearance, big playoff battles against NBA legends. Um, yeah, guys, but, want- and that's all stuff. Those conversations right there are all they all took place before those guys were even with the Raptors. We have to we Absolutely. have to factor that in as well. So we had we had Mark at the tail end of his career at the same time. So we we can't speak on it as if we had. Mark the awesome, Mark the defensive player of the year. We had Mark the experienced, um, slower Mark, and just a facilitator. So, yeah. But the smarter one, and the, he he fit that role that you need. That's why they gave up Valanchunas. I mean, right now, if you had one or the other, you'd much rather have Valanchunas than Aaron Baines. But you have what you have right now. And you mentioned uh, the Raptors got picked apart by DeMar DeRozan and by Brandon Ingram. Yeah, you have to have a player who in the fourth quarter at winning time can pick you yeah. up. And I don't, don't know if the Raptors have that player. They don't. They don't. No. I don't. You know, do you make a trade? You know, there's a lot of talk about Harden, but. Do you bring in Harden? Who do you or give up? Or is he an organization destroyer? Who do you give up? <laughs> Even, right, Harden's never won the NBA Finals. He's played in the Finals, but that was a long time ago with OKC with Serge Ibaka. But even if you were to bring him in, what are you giving up? You you can't just give away some scraps. You know, Houston's not going to give him up if they don't get a, a at least a great play. Like, what do you give up? Lowry? Siakam? I mean, the, these are, are really difficult choices for a guy who wouldn't even stay here anyway. You've already been burned by the Kawhi Leonard one and done. So... It's it's a that that is a huge huge gamble to take. Is, uh, is 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 there is there any hope that we might get Kawhi back because he didn't sign back with LA? <laughs> is Do you there, think he's holding out for a Toronto return? No chance. I, right? it, out. I think realistic. Being more realistic, if anybody was going to come back to Toronto, it's Demar Derozan. It's Demar. Yeah. Quite frankly. I think he's what the Raptors missed right now. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think you you put yeah. the Ra- you put DeRozan on the Raptors right now. Hell, even last year, if he was there last year, you probably beat Boston in that second round series. Uh huh. Not and to mention a hungry Demar, a Demar who's coming off playing for Pop. This is a guy who's totally mentally different. And I think now here at Playing Devils Advocate with you guys, that's that's a hungry Demar. That's a Demar. I think has become a better player, better passer, more complete, much player. better passer. But a now you bring you bring Demar back into this this environment. That's a lot of 
pressure to live up to. Is that hunger the same or does it become more pressure? This team just came off a championship and traded him to be become that championship team. So I don't think you bringing him back uh, does any justice to anybody, especially this fresh. Fucking banana chef. <laughs> yeah. Third, I, city, third, I think the city will go bananas for a certain period of time. back. I'll, I'll agree with that. The city would go crazy, but at the same time, if if they didn't do well, he would be the first target. Okay, no, because he was that that move. No way, because they've are he already was the victim. You know, it say let's say it, three weeks from now the Raptors are five and ten, and the concerns about missing the playoffs are real. And all of a sudden, you bring in Demar Derozan. First of all, you're not look. You're not winning the championship, but you are a much improved team. And uh, then again, you still have to give somebody up. You know, the Spurs still want to get you back. But at, at least you have that scorer and a, a possible closer in the fourth quarter. And I think Toronto and Canada would bring him in as a savior, mm. regardless of what happens at that point, just for the fact of him forgiving the team for what happened two years ago. That's I like going from. That's like going from the red zone in the pandemic to, you know, something less than, you know, you feel like a welcome break. You feel like this is this is what we need. But, you know, ultimately, it's not going to solve the equation. So I, I think that either way, you're right, DG, he would be labeled, you know, as the guy that, that we needed, that we want. But, you know, who knows if they would bring him bring him a championship. What a comparison, Shep. He just compared the pandemic red zone to the Raptors, <laughs> red zone, and they 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 might be there. Okay, Are we comparing everything to the pandemic these days? Like, let's be honest. <laughs> For two more days, and by twenty twenty one, let us not let's not go there. Okay, um, let's let's stay in the East. And you know, you mentioned earlier the Cavs started three and zero. They're now three and one as as we talk here today. But uh, a couple of other teams in the East. You know, it's early and things are weird, but they look strong, too. And that's Atlanta Hawks and Orlando Magic. Let's handicap one, both or neither of these teams potentially being a playoff team this year. Shep, do you think one of these teams can make the playoffs? I'm going with Orlando to make the playoffs. I think both of these teams are scoring exceptionally well. Um, Atlanta shooting the ball really well. But when I'm looking at the rosters, one, Orlando was a was an eight seed, I believe, last year. And they're just building on that. Now, when I'm looking at the roster, I'm not too sure that Atlanta, when they need to make a def- defensive stop, are going to get it with Trey Young, Gallinari, and Bogdanovich. So uh, with that being said, I think Orlando is, is more equipped. They're a bit more athletic, um, a bit more length. And I think if it comes to defense, making getting a defensive stop, or because they're not going to score like this the whole season. They're not going to be a scoring at this rate. they they'll be the team that I'll give that nod to just off the strength of their d- defensive ability or potential rather. I'm, I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and disagree. I think Atlanta, ah, I think Atlanta has the more experienced <laughs> roster. I think what you think will hurt them will help them. I, I think, you know, bogey's kind of a seasoned vet now. Uh, he, he's gotten paid that premium bag. And I think that he's going to have that big confidence and swagger. Let's be realistic. He's not going to defend anybody. But that's why you have guys, John, John Collins. Uh, you have Tony Snell in the perimeter. I think that 
Cam Reddish is going to have a breakout year. I think he had those rookie jitters and he was pressing a little bit, but he has a, a huge ceiling for his potential. And and you can't forget that you have Rondo, who's 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 a quarterback and all things. He's basically a coach at this point, who's a player. So um, I do like that Orlando has kept a bulk of their roster. I like that they have that chemistry, um, but they haven't won anything. And, and, and I think that, you know, I like to see Markel Fultz ball out. I love seeing him play well, especially after what he's been through. Um, but Aaron Gordon is like the same guy year over year. You know, he's not, he's not the superstar that they need. Um, and I think he doesn't even have that much trade value to be honest. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I, I'm, I'm more so, uh, on, on the, uh, on the side of Atlanta making the playoffs as opposed to Orlando. Interesting, interesting debate from the two of you. And yeah, Orlando has been in the playoffs the last couple of years, haven't done much with it, but they, they do have some, I don't want to say more experienced talent because Atlanta does have, they, they brought in some guys. I'm going to, I'm going to like just make a statement here because there's no accountability anyway. I think they're both going to get in. I think the Hawks and the magic are yeah. going to plant the Raptors and the wizards. Ooh, that's a bold call, DJ. That I might have predicted that's earlier. A bad man. That's I don't know. Man. I don't know. That's a bad man. Green. Sacrilegious, man. You're a Canadian guy. That's a bad yeah. man. And I, hey, I'm not saying that's what I want to happen, but I think it's going to happen, man. I don't know. Those 0 3 starts don't don't look good when a lot of other teams aren't trying as hard right now. You you need to at least. You know, the, both of those teams, Washington and Toronto, need to be at least four and six by yeah. the team mark. I, if they're at three and seven, I'm going to have a lot of a lot of questions. But I, 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 I love it. about the Wizards, man. I just don't. I, I, I like Brad. I, you know, theoretically, I like Brad Beal and, and Russ together, but. I think they're just overcompensating for something. I think that they're, you know, Russ yeah. wants to be a team guy so bad. He wants to be yeah. like, look, like I, I promise you, I'm not the guy you think I am. I'm going to try to be yeah. a leader, do this and that. And now they're overcompensating. Now they're not really he's being. Up to, that. He's still off to a really good. He's off to his, his old triple double self, though. So I, I'll give him. Yeah, that. but on like on like four for twenty, four for twenty five. That's like his <laughs> mo now. Russ is I, Russ. Russ is Russ. Russ, is Russ. You got to appreciate Russ is Russ. The table. But at Russ the same time, it's I, not, I don't think it's playoff W's, man. Well, I just don't. I don't think, you know. All right, I don't think Russ is a winner. I think he's going to fill the stat sheet. I'm not sold on. And he's got Scotty Brooks back, who we play for in OKC. He has a huge level right. of comfortability with him. Right. So the green lights there, the confidence there, the trust is there between the two of them. I don't see. I think. I, I and I don't. You know, I like Bradley Beal, but I don't see him as that guy that's going to really push your Come team. To, yeah. And Thomas Thomas Bryant is not a marquee center either. And they didn't re-up I like on him. I like him. You think he's a marquee guy, though? You think he's a, a, a franchise kind of center? I think for that team, for that club, yes. I don't think he's going to be a, a top four team. But as far as a competitive center, physical body... Um, mm-hmm. can shoot the basketball. I think with those tools, it's it's you're not going to get that combination very often. Um, is he a, a cornerstone of, of a franchise or a successful winning franchise? No. But, you know, when you're looking at the struggles Toronto had yesterday guarding uh, and, and Embiid, 
You know, mm-hmm. if you want to compete with those elite teams, you have to have a body that you can throw, throw around yeah. one physically, but yeah. at the same time has some tools that can that can compete on the other end as well. So I think where that's concerned, he can keep them in the competitive conversation, but this is not going to be a team that's going to finish one through four. He's not mm-hmm. going to lead the team to finish through one, one through five, or one through six. Mm-hmm. Well, d- disappointing starts by a couple teams and uh, intriguing starts by a couple of others. Shep, you mentioned the triple doubles and that always comes to mind when you talk about Russell Westbrook, but a couple of uh, big guys out of Europe, are also triple-double machines. And I was touting, and a lot of people are talking about Doncic, possibly, I think even in Vegas, he's the favorite to be the MVP this year. And we, we talk about him a lot. When we talk about the Nuggets, we talk about Jamal Murray all the time because he was really a, a superstar in the playoffs. And, you know, he's a Canadian like the rest of us. But Nikola Jokic. Um Different European there. I thought I, I got one for you after loaded okay. in the chamber. Go ahead. That's I, a player. I guess I screwed that one up. We this is a player. This is a basketball genius. And I mean, I I think one of the more intriguing comparisons and debates in basketball now is Jokic versus Doncic. And I don't know when Denver and Dallas play again, but that might be one of the best matchups we're going to see. Um, I don't want to say who's a better player, but when we look back on this regular season and get into MVP discussion, which of these two do you think is going to have a better year? I think, you know, I've heard that conversation with Luca potentially being that MVP conversation, but the reality is if you're looking at the history of the MVPs in this league, that, that team finishes one, one or two, one or two. In, in standing. So I don't think if Dallas doesn't, if they're not winning and in that conversation, um, we're not, Luka's not going to be your MVP. And I, I, to be honest, I don't think Jokic is the MVP conversation as well, because, you know, he has great numbers, walking triple double, um, you know, great at center. I think he's, for me, he's probably the top two center in the league, but he's not going to have those, those numbers, scoring numbers that are going to wow you. And, and really, um, I, I don't see either one. I think they're great players. I think they're going to really help to their teams, but as far as MVPs, not. Nah. Um, I would agree. I, I think that he's just too far down the line. I think he hasn't put enough time in yet in this league. Um, neither is Luca. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, let me clarify. I'm, I'm speaking about right now. Yeah, I think he's. Oh, he just had, no, no, no. I think he he needs more. He needs to solidify himself in this league. Not that he already hasn't. He's capable of scoring at will. I just think he needs to prove himself as a winner. I think that's what all MVPs have in common is that they just win at the end of the day. Um, and, and Jokic has that ceiling. I think that he doesn't have the same marketability as some of these other guys do. But I think that he's 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 the guy that you want in your team. You can build around, and, and I think he does have MVP potential. Um, and, and DG, let me rewind back. I thought you may have been referring to the son of the legendary Arvidas Sabonis, Demontis Sabonis, who has started the season off with two double doubles and one triple double, uh, averaging twenty one points a game. And I think that we could see a breakout season from him as well. Um, and, and this is on an Indiana team that has a lot of depth. Uh, they want to get back to the playoffs, and, and, and I think they want to make that move, and I think he could be the guy to do that. That That is interesting. I, I do think that is a wonderful player there, and 
you know, I love my Lithuanians as much as the next guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I got it. I just, I got to stick on Jokic for a second here. And, and our, uh, our producer, Dan Wong, has provided us with the odds um, for the MVP this year. And Luca is the favorite. And Tedekumpo second. Curry, LeBron, Davis, Harden, Leonard, Durant are, are the top eight on that list. Jokic isn't even mentioned. And I'm looking at his stat line the other night. 19 points, 18 assists, 12 rebounds Same. in 34 minutes yeah. and three steals. I, he and it is, looks like he just got out of bed doing it all. <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> I feel like um, Michael Grange once said his body looked like a big bag of milk. <laughs> <laughs> Holy but, shots I mean, this guy, there. It's not all Jamal Murray there. In fact, I think the Nuggets are as talented one through five, maybe as anybody in the league, if not more. Um, but Jokic, if Denver fin- Denver could finish first or second in the West, okay. and if Jokic is averaging even close to 20 points, 10 rebounds, and potentially top five in the league in assists, I think well, he I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask a question for you. That one and three start doesn't concern you at all? If they're saying they can potentially finish one, not with Mike West. Jamal at the helm. For okay. Denver, okay. For Denver, Mike no. Jamal. Den- Big Den- shout out, Mike Jamal. Den- Denver, no. Is they're? I think they're on the up. I I just think they're getting better. Uh, one and three from Denver to me is not the same as zero oh and three from Washington or Toronto right now. Um, but yeah, well, the only the reason why I ask is because they're still inexperienced. In a sense, with Murray and and Jokic being their cornerstone, and you know Michael Porter, um, so that would be my only hiccup. There is that can they can they do this again? They need to prove oh, yeah. to me that in the regular season, Shep, or playoff time, because you know I regular just, season one. Because now the now the bullseye is out. Now now the the, the story's out on them. The bull they have bullseyes on their back. Um, you're not coming in and taking them lightly. So I, I just think being a Jamal Murray being young and doing what he's done, and now it's, it's another level. Like there's going to be teams are attacking them. Teams, you know, scouting reports are focused on them. Can you weather that now for a, a full season and still have the same success you've had before? Do you, do you think it hurts them to lose Jeremy Grant? Dropped a nice 27 piece last night in Detroit. I think that he was kind of like their their jack of all trades type of guy. He was their energy guy, rebound possession guy. He's experienced. I don't know. Yeah, they, uh, big with, time, big time utility guy. Big I think time utility guy. Losing him hurts because he can help you. He can do, a, you know, a multitude of things on the court, which and he was willing to willing, you know, he was willingly doing that, doing the dirty work as well, and taking getting shots when he could, and so fitting where mm-hmm. he got in, and was, you know, that in itself is a talent for guys to be able to do that at a and be at a high. Perform at a high level without worrying about why I'm not getting the ball and so forth. And then there's also been the conversation of Will Barton wanting back his starting position, and you know MPJ being in that role. So MPJ is you know, hungry those, too. I like his aggressiveness. Yeah, like those things still have to play itself out to before before I go ahead and say, um, you know, this is a top two team. But at the end of the day, we've played three games, you know, in the season, three games out of seventy two, four percent of the season already. I think. Right. These conversations are a little premature in that sense, but for the hell of it, hey. All right, speaking of premature conversations, who's everybody's MVP right now? Did we do this last week? 
KD. Or the week before. You were partying for Christmas last week. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I, I I think I said my preseason pick was Doncic. I I would it I, like it, it's early. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I just and I'm not convinced on the Nuggets either. Although I think with Harris Barton. And Porter, if all three of them remain healthy, I don't think they even remember that Jeremy Grant is on that team. But I just think everyone has to keep an eye on Jokic. It looks like he's just getting better and better. And if Doncic is an MVP candidate, I think Jokic has to be. I think the two of them are, are online to have incredible seasons. Okay, we're, uh, we're, we're short on time. We're also short on 2020. 2021 is almost here thank goodness let's go up and down the line andy what are your resolutions for 2021 my resolutions uh get out of the house uh look for that vaccine uh no i think i think my resolute you know uh, is to take a new step in a new direction and 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 really kind of knock this thing out with shep and ottawa and uh, really kind of just try to expand uh, uh, um, the avenues of, of you know, post-basketball, potential post-basketball career. How about you? We're, we're, you, hit a, you hit a nail on the head, AR. I, I think, you know, right along there, just, you know, really get Ottawa off to a successful um, season, a successful start, and a success, on a whole, uh, bring a championship there. But um, on a personal level, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying all of this here, so... You know, a big goal of mine is just hell to be on air with with, with Leo and chop it up, chop some basketball on on one yeah. of these networks. So, I think that's where that's where I'm at personally. And, I'm and we'd all love doing to see this where I'm at. You're ready for it. Pretty face, right? Javon you know? Shepard willing it into existence. It is. You got to speak it into existence. Make happen. it happen. It is going to happen. Shep is going to be. I mean, to me, you guys are already superstars, what you're accomplishing in the front office. I, and I think both of you are going to have amazing careers as broadcasters as well. I, I think that's the direction things are going in this country and in this industry. Do it all. Your general managers, your broadcasters, your basketball players. I knew you win. That's all. That's all I can say. I appreciate that, DJ. What do you got for us? Uh, I mean, me, I, I really like to get back to a gym somewhere and <laughs> like you guys, uh, I was a pretty devout gym goer for many years there. And I just, the, the workouts at home just don't have the same, don't do it for you. I want to go, you know, I want to keep going to the, I want to get back to the gym, keep working out, keep eating healthy. And just honestly, man, if I learned anything in 2020, and, and I guess I'm at that age now. Health is everything, and I'm grateful to have it at this moment. And I just hope in the new year that I maintain it and that everybody around me, people I love and care about, do the same. Um, let's uh, let's wrap up this episode. And, you know, another resolution, let's get more people listening to this podcast. So tell your friends, review us on Apple, review us on Spotify, uh, check out our social media at Jim rats podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Also the hashtag for, uh, this date in Toronto Raptors history. I can't remember it right now, but it's out there. Check out all that stuff. Engage with us. Tell us some things you want us to talk about. Uh, that would be super fun. Happy, happy new year to all of you guys, to all of our listeners. Thank you so much, uh, producer extraordinaire Dan Wong. Check him out. 
at Dan Wong says, Andy Routens, Javon Shepard. Thank you so much, guys. Ottawa Blackjacks on Instagram. Um, both Shep and Andy are on Instagram as well. So go listen, check out what they have to say. Look at their pictures. Do all that stuff. For everybody, happy new year, and we will see you in 2021. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.